You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on, Uncanceled Podcast? We're here. Let's go. Um, So excited to be here. Obviously, I'm not... Pastor Joey. I've been on the podcast before. My name is Ben. If you don't know who I am, if you come to Impact, you hopefully know who I am um, because hopefully you've seen me running around doing stuff. But we're here. We are, uh, well, I'm here, but we are in the new Impact room. We just did our grand, our re-grand opening last night and service was amazing. Um, And uh, I'm excited. I, I feel a little weird doing the podcast for the first time in our new room without Pastor Joey. Like, this is his podcast, Um, but he is is away on a little vacation, and so I'm glad that he's getting rest and and just having some fun, and and he asked me to do the podcast. So excited to be in the new room. Uh, Next week, Pastor Joey will be back, and uh, there's going to be some new fun stuff as well. So, like, we're saving a little bit for him. But uh, I'm excited to do the podcast today. I'm going to be talking about understanding our victory in Christ, understanding our victory in Christ. But before I do that, I, I was slacking a little bit and totally forgot to think of something fun to do before the teaching um, until I literally walked in the room uh, like to, to get ready to record the podcast. So I was looking around, and uh, we, have, we have some snacks back there, and I was looking around, and I found these M&Ms, and there were four different kinds of M&Ms, and so I said, hey, I'll just rank them. Like, I'll just rank them how I think that they're best. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do real quick. I love M&Ms. Man, M&Ms are great, uh, and really all four of these. So we have just the original chocolate, peanut M&Ms, peanut butter M&Ms, and caramel-filled M&Ms. They're all really good. I mean, they're all really good. Little little disclosure, I had to rip a corner off. Maybe you can see that. I had to rip a corner off because I had never actually had the caramel-filled ones. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Man, they're just all really good. So this is a, this is a tough little task that I've assigned to myself to rank these. Um, but, you know, somebody's got to do it, I guess. Uh, number four... Number four, I am going to put the regular ones. Like, again, they're really, really good. They're great. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tiny bit boring. All these other ones have added flavor and added, you know, like special things to them. And, and these are just a tiny bit boring. Um, and so, and so uh, these have to go in number four. And, and, and it's a little unfortunate for them, but they're going to stay there in number four. Um, Number three, don't know why I picked up those. Number three, I really like these caramel ones. I actually really did. But there's no way that I can put these caramel ones above either of the the peanut butter ones for me. So the caramel ones, again, they were really good. I was kind of expecting like a a softer caramel that was kind of like more melty, if that makes sense. But it was more like, it was more Snickers-like if I'm being honest, and, uh, and really surprised me, but was really, really solid. So next time you go to the store and you're just, you know, a wanner for some candy and you see these caramel M&Ms, you know, you, you've gone to the store and you've had the peanut ones and you've had the peanut butter ones and you've had the regular ones a bunch of times, pick up the caramel ones. I think that, I think that they will uh, surprise you and you'll enjoy them. Number three, sorry about that. 
Oh, this is really tough. This is where, like, this is where it hurts my heart a little bit because one of these two has to go in spot number two, and they're both absolutely elite. I hadn't had these peanut butter ones too many times, but uh, recently, when was it? It was during Heat Wave. I, uh, I, was, I just was getting away a little bit and, and grabbed some peanut butter M&Ms and, uh, and had them, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So those are really good. Peanut M&Ms are really good. I mean, these are, like, iconic and just, like, elite. Like, these are oh, – I'm burdened. I'm burdened with this responsibility. I'm being dramatic, but, um, oh man, I, oh my gosh, I was just about to make a decision. And then like, I don't know. I am, you know what? I'm going to stick to my guns. I love peanut butter. Peanut butter is my favorite thing to eat. My favorite flavor of anything ever. I love peanut butter. So gosh, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to put peanut M&M's in the two, and I'm going to have to put peanut butter M&M's in the one. These, to me, are just, like, phenomenal. Like, especially out of these four, nothing's beating the peanut butter M&M's for me. So that's my list. I'm really sorry, especially to um, peanut M&M's. I apologize. You, you really, in a lot of other lists, you deserve number one. But for me... Personally, on this list, I just, I just couldn't do it. And so I'm going to leave these here for your viewing pleasure. That's my list. Feel free to disagree. Feel free to yell at me in the comments and tell me that regular M&M should have gone number one. I think that we can all pretty much agree that that's not really the case. But that's my list. Hope that that was somewhat entertaining. Uh, and now I'm really excited to get into this teaching about understanding our victory in Christ I, uh, I've been watching a lot of, um, I've been watching a lot of revival services recently, uh, revival services, just services, uh, from different evangelists, different men of God, you know, across the country, just holding services and and encouraging people in the Lord. And overwhelmingly, I've just gotten a lot of revelation and just a lot of like, not, not, you know. I don't know. I, I've just gotten encouraged about, about the victory that we have in Christ more and more. And I think that it's something so worth a podcast and so worth to talk about. Um, understanding our victory in Christ, because a lot of Christians, not you know necessarily Christians at Faith Church or, or an Impact Youth or whatever, but just Christians in the body of Christ uh, at large, fail to, to recognize and fail to realize the victory that the Christian life is supposed to is supposed to be like the Christian life is meant to be a life of victory. God has done everything that He's going to do to give His children, the people that believe Him and believe His word, a victorious life. The life of a Christian is meant to be victorious and never to suffer defeat. And so we're going to talk about it. Um, our victory in Christ. It's important to note that our victory is in Christ and not in ourselves. It's not of ourselves. It's not my victory dependent upon myself and what I've done. It's our victory in Christ and, and resting on what Christ has done and, and coming to, to grips with what Christ has done and 
holding it and, and taking hold of it for ourselves in our own life. I want to read you Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. This is talking about Jesus. Well, it's talking about us first. It says in verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he being Christ disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. We have to realize that Christ won absolute complete victory through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus dying on the cross, going to hell, kicking the devil's butt, defeating death, won complete, and then raising from the dead, won absolute complete victory. He sits in victory in heaven now. He's been given the name above every other name and everything else is under his feet. Christ has won complete victory. And because we are the body of Christ, Christ is the head of the church and we, the church, is our, make up his body, we have been given that complete victory. And so the life of a Christian is meant to be a victorious life. It's not meant to be a life where we're just getting beat up by life all the time. It's not meant to be a life where we're just getting smacked around by the devil or by, you know, other people or whatever all the time. Our life as a Christian is meant to be a victorious life from victory to victory and never suffering defeat. And, uh, I'll read to you just this, this one scripture as we begin. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How could God give it if he didn't already have it? Jesus won that victory, and so he gives it to us. God gives it to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The life of a believer is meant to be a life of victory and not one of defeat. And I want to read uh, some, some of the book of Job and take a few things away from the book of Job that will help us understand our life uh, of victory as a believer. And Job is a book that maybe doesn't get a whole lot of uh, traffic. Maybe, maybe people don't read a whole lot of the book of Job, but I also think that, you know, those that do, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, I, I understand something that nobody else understands or whatever, but I'm saying that even, even myself, you know, previously reading the book of Job, like I had to study it and I had to uh, listen to other men of God teach on it. One in particular that I listened to was Jonathan Shuttlesworth did a, a phenomenal teaching um, from the book of Job and how it helps us understand our victory in Christ. And so that is largely what um, this podcast and this teaching is is coming from. Obviously the Bible, but but that teaching and that podcast that he did helped me a lot. Um, and so some things that we can take away from the book of Job, because Job and the life of Job is often pointed to by people, by Christians as, oh, see, God God makes us sick and God, you know, sometimes we just have to go through things and we just have to go through storms and it's how God teaches us and all this stuff. And look at Job, you know, God made Job sick and God allowed all that stuff to happen. We're going to see right here, because that is nonsense. We're going to see right here that 
that is nonsense and that God does not give anybody sickness. God does not teach by sickness or by storms or by any bad thing. God doesn't like do any of that. So we're going to read, um, and I'm going to read, uh, the first chapter and a half of Job. So it's, it's a lot of, a lot of Bible right here, but you can stick with me. If you have a Bible, turn to it. You can follow along. That'd be great. But I'm going to read Job 1 and then a couple verses into Job 2. Let's read. It says, There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. I'm going to stop here. Job was somebody who the Bible says was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God. And then it lists all of these things that Job had and says that Job was the richest person in that entire area. Job was a blessed person because he lived blameless and because he followed God and obeyed God. Let me keep going. Verse four, Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Verse six, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. Look at that. Even Satan is recognizing that God is the one who has prospered Job. Amazing. Verse 11, Satan said, Satan said, but reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's house with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmlands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So Job's, uh, Job's oxen and donkeys just got stolen. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. All of Job's sheep and shepherds just got burned up. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you all his camels and servants gone. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their older brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in, uh, wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job just lost everything. Job just lost everything, especially this last one, his children, his family, you know, was just, uh, just died. Like, this is, this is real stuff that, that happened to Job, and that's terrible. Verse 20, 
Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil, and he has maintained his integrity, even though you urge me to harm him without cause. Verse four, Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we only accept good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. That was a lot of Bible, but we're gonna, we're gonna take a few things from this, um, these first two chapters-ish um, and, uh, and take them and see how we can understand our victory in Christ some more. This is the first thing that is so, so important, essential that we understand if we're gonna live a victorious Christian life. God is a giver and Satan takes things away. God is a giver and Satan takes things, takes things away. Again, the life of Job, if you're reading those first two chapters, you can, you can take away from it, wow, God, like, God you know, gave Job sickness and God gave Job uh, or God, you know, caused all that stuff to happen to Job. God, you know, let Satan do all that thing. But that is not the case, and that is not what we read. Job 2, verse 7. It says, So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Satan struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. It was not God that made Job sick. It was not God that made Job sick. And, and again, people will say, oh, God allowed it to happen. Like God, God even said like, oh, Satan, have you, have you noticed my, certain jo- my servant Job? Maybe you want to go and, you know, test him. Maybe you want to go and do terrible things to him. When, when God is saying, have you noticed my servant Job? It's not God suggesting Job, but rather it's God being omniscient, knowing all things and saying to Satan, I know that you already have your eyes set on Job. God is not suggesting Job. God's not offering Job up for the devil to do whatever he wants with him. God knows that Satan has his mind or had his mind set on Job. And God is saying, oh, I see you've noticed my servant Job. God didn't, you know, suggest and offer Job up and God did not give Job sickness. That is not God's character. God is not a God that gives bad things. He doesn't. Think about it like this. How could God give something that that he doesn't have, that he isn't? God is a good God. The Bible says in in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of heavenly lights in whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. God is a giver and he's a good God. Hebrews eleven six 6 shows us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
Matthew 7, 11 says that if we, by comparison, know how to give good gifts to our children or to our family or, or whoever, how much more does our God in heaven love to give good gifts to his children? God is a giver of good, good things, and he doesn't give bad things. How could God give bad things when he doesn't have bad things? How could God give you, know, you a cold, or how could God give you cancer or how could God give you anxiety or depression or stress or anything like that? God doesn't have any of those things to give. How could I give you these peanut butter M&Ms if I threw them away and I didn't have them anymore? I don't have them to give you anymore. God doesn't have any bad things to give you. So he, he is not the author of all of these things. That's the devil. That is the devil. The devil the Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is the one that uh, did all of that terrible stuff to Job. The thief is the one, the devil is the one who struck Job with sickness and who struck Job with all of that bad stuff. It wasn't God. Let me read you John eight forty four because we get, and this is the trick of the devil, is to get us, to blame God for things that the devil does. He gets us, he wants us to, to blame God for the things that the devil does. John 8, 44, let me read you. <clears throat> Talking about the devil. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Think about the devil in the Garden of Eden, when he was um, uh, a serpent and, and Adam and Eve before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and the devil deceived Eve into eating that fruit, whatever it was. He deceived Eve into eating that fruit. He said, oh, did God really say that, you know, if you'll eat this, you'll surely die? Did he really say that? Like, oh, are you sure? I think that God just doesn't want you to be like him. When the reality was for Adam and Eve that they were already made in the image and likeness of God. The devil is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. And what he wants us or what he tries to get us to do as Christians, he tries to trick us into blaming God for the things that he is responsible for. If, if you've lost a family member, that's terrible. And I'm so sorry for you, but that was not God's doing. That was not God's doing. If, if you've been sick in your body, if you've been battling something for a long time, that was not God. That was the devil seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. The ultimate purpose of the devil, what he ultimately wants is for us to curse God for us to abandon our faith and abandon God and turn away. Because if we abandon our faith and abandon God and turn away, we'll never do anything for God and we won't spend eternity with God in heaven. The devil's jealous of us because he got kicked out of heaven because he was prideful and he rebelled. So he's jealous of us because we have the opportunity to have communion with God and to have relationship with God and closeness with God. So he's jealous of us and he tries to get us to curse God so that we won't stick with God and so that we won't, you know, have that relationship and have that closeness with God. That's why, that's why Satan came after Job's family, his land, his possessions, his health. It wasn't because Satan hates all that stuff, but he, wants, he wanted Job to curse God. Remember in, in, in Job 2, Verse, uh, verse nine, 
His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Like the devil's, the devil's deception is to put bad things in our lives, to give us bad things, to, to try to take away good things and get us to curse God and die. But this is what, this is what I wanna encourage you with today is that as a Christian, as a believer, we have victory over the devil in Christ. And when the devil tries to steal, kill, and destroy, we can say, no, you don't get to do that because I have a greater power that lives in me. It's not my power inherently in, on, uh, by myself, but it is Christ's power that lives on the inside of me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And so when the devil tries to do his nonsense and tries to steal, kill, and destroy, we can say, no, greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. And we can claim the victory that Christ won for us. God is a giver. God is a good God, and he doesn't give us bad things. That's the first thing that we can learn from the life of Job. It's the first thing that we can learn from the life of Job. Before I, before I move on from, from that point quickly, um, I want to encourage you too to make up your mind that no matter what has happened or no matter what tries to occur in your life or, or, you know, does occur in your life, stick with God, stick with God, stick with his word and stand on his word. And I promise you that no matter what has happened in your life or no more, no matter what does happen in your life or try to happen, stick with God and you will come out on top and you will be victorious. We're going to see that in the life of Job in a little bit. Um, Job Many believe that Job preceded, Job was like one of, one of the first people and Job preceded even the old covenant um, that God gave through Moses or, or that God established with Abraham, that he preceded even the law. And so Job obviously didn't have a Bible. Job didn't know better than to say, oh, you know, God gives and God takes away. But we have this word, and I just went through a bunch of scripture that shows that, no, actually God doesn't take away good things, and God doesn't give bad things. God only gives good things, and he only takes away bad things. And so Job didn't have this Bible, but we have this Bible. We have it so much better than Job had it. Job didn't have any, any covenant relationship with God. He likely preceded even the old covenant. But we, and this is the second thing that we can take away from the life of Job, is that our covenant with God is a covenant of complete victory. Our covenant with God is a covenant of absolute complete victory. What, is, what, are, what are we talking about? Covenant. That's just a um, like promise and, and a binding agreement that we have with God. And our covenant with God is established on the blood of Jesus and everything that Jesus has done for us. Let me read you Hebrews 9, 15. Talking about Jesus, it says, that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. Our covenant established on the blood of Jesus is established on better promises and it is a covenant of complete victory. Job didn't have covenant with God. Excuse me, I'm a little thirsty. Job didn't have covenant with God. 
or at the very least, he had um, the old covenant that was established on not as good promises as we do. But Job didn't have the same covenant that we have with God. Our covenant in Jesus is a covenant of complete victory. And so when the devil in Job was trying to do all this bad stuff to Job, there was nothing that, that prevented it from happening. There, there was nothing that kept the devil from attacking Job because Job didn't have that covenant relationship with God. There was no mediator, and we'll see that in a second. But we have a better covenant established on better promises, and it is a covenant of victory. So what does this mean? It means that in our lives, for us, if we're in Christ, if we have put our faith in Jesus, that when the devil tries to steal, kill, and destroy, as I was saying, when the devil tries all his nonsense, we can just say, wait a minute, I have covenant relationship with the absolute victor, with the God in heaven, with the living God, Jesus Christ, and I say no in Jesus' name because I have covenant relationship with God that is covered by the blood of Jesus. So when, when the devil tries to put sickness on your body, when the devil tries to put anxiety in your mind or put stress on you, or when the devil tries to you know, do all that stuff, we can say, no, my covenant with God promises me health. My covenant with God promises me a free and clear and peaceful mind. My covenant with God promises me only good things. And so I do not receive anything bad. That's how our covenant works. Our covenant with God is a covenant of complete victory. Our covenant with God is a covenant of complete victory. It means, that, it means that the things that happen to people who don't have a relationship with God are not permitted to happen to us. Are not permitted to happen to us. When sin entered the world, death and, and all the effects of sin, sickness, disease, poverty, mental problems, emotional problems, all of that stuff is a result of sin entering the world. But our covenant has redeemed us from that. The Bible says in Galatians chapter three that Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from all the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. So we don't live under, under the curse of sin, under all the penalty and all the effects of sin. If we're in Christ, that stuff cannot come on us because we are in the body of Christ. Think about it. We are the body of Christ. We have been grafted in and that covenant relationship has made us one with Christ. We're united with Christ. Christ is the head and we're the body. So if Christ never got sick and if Christ never was, was stressed or anxious or depressed or any of that, if Christ was never in poverty or in lack, then it is impossible for us to be in poverty and lack because we are one with Christ. We're united with Christ. We have to understand our position. We have to understand the position that our covenant places us in. It's a, it's a position and it's a covenant of complete victory. And Job didn't have it. And so Job's life and the story of Job should cause us to reflect and just be thankful and appreciative of the covenant that we do have through Christ. Our covenant with God is a covenant of complete victory and it's established on better promises. It is established on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Third thing, third thing. Our victory in life is 
in and through Christ. Our victory in life is in and through Christ. I kind of started talking about this already, but Job certainly preceded Jesus coming on the scene. Job preceded Jesus coming on the scene. And so he didn't have Christ, you know. Sorry. The Bible says that, that Jesus Christ is our mediator, that he's our high priest and that he goes, uh, he goes in front of us. He goes between us. And so when we pray in Jesus name, we're talking to God and we're coming boldly before the throne of God. And we're saying, Lord, I know that myself, I can't do this. I'm not worthy to do this, but I know that because of what Jesus has done, I can come to you and ask for help and receive mercy in this time of need. Amen. Our victory is through Christ. Job didn't have Christ. There was nobody that he could, he could, there was nobody to mediate for him. There was nobody to mediate for him. Job could, you know, Job couldn't pray. Like there was nobody to go to God on his behalf because Christ hadn't come and died yet. And so that is why for us, our victory is in Christ. And it is through Christ that we have victory in this life that the things of the world and the things, um, the, the penalty of sin and the effects of sin and the attack and plan of the enemy cannot come on us and cannot overtake us because our victory is in and through Christ. Job didn't have Christ, but Jesus made the way for us to have access to God so that we could live a victorious life. The last thing that I have for you today, the last thing that I have for you today in understanding our victory in Christ is that challenges are normal, but defeat is not for you. If you are in Christ, if you've believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, defeat is not for you. Challenges, sure. Tough, tough situations, sure. Trials, sure. But defeat, no. Defeat, never, because you are in Christ. Let me read you John 16, 33. It says, I've told, Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And some people stop there, you know, how many know? On this earth, Jesus said, on this earth, we'll have many trials and sorrows. You know, there are just some things that we have to go through. Sickness is just a part of life. That is such nonsense for a child of God to say sickness is just a part of life. And I'm not, I'm not trying to yell at you. You know, this could be the first time that you're really hearing this. You, you know, there could have been some improper teaching that you've received and that's not your fault. But I'm here to tell you today, actually, I'm not the one here, well, I'm here to tell you, but the word of God is telling you today that sickness and disease and poverty and lack, depression, anxiety, all of those things are not just a part of life that you have to go through. How many know, you know, here on this earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. Keep reading. It says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. This is our victory in Christ. Jesus is saying, yes, there will be challenges. Yes, there will be tough things. The Bible 
says that we'll be persecuted for our faith. But Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome the world. The Bible says greater is he that lives in you than he that is in this world. The devil is defeated and Jesus has won complete victory. And if you are in Christ, your life is meant to be a life of nonstop victory. Never defeat, never defeat. How do we see this? Where do we see this in the life of Job? Job is a longer book. It has 42 chapters, I think. But I learned this as I was studying and as I was watching that podcast from um, evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I'm already in Psalms, whoops. But Job's entire story lasted 18 months. This was not something that, you know, This was Job's entire life. He lost his children. He lost all his possessions. He lost everything. He was sick. He, you know, he lost his health, all that stuff forever. And that was it. Job died sad, lonely, depressed, sick, with nothing. No, that is not how Job's story ends because that is not God's will for any person. That is not God's will for any person. And especially for those who are in Christ, it is not God's will that you deal with the things that you've dealt with and, and you know, you just go through sickness and you just go through all this stuff and you know, oh, well, one day in heaven, you'll receive blessing and one day in heaven, everything will be all right. No, God told us to pray. Uh, for his will on the earth as it is in heaven. Why would God tell us to pray for his will on earth as it is in heaven if he didn't want us to experience his will in heaven on this earth? Doesn't even make sense. Job's, Job's entire story, uh, all 42 chapters took place in, uh, in 18 months. And at the end of the story, here's how, here's how Job is left off. Verse 12. Uh, Job 42, 12. It says, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 team of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemiah and the second Keziah and the third, that's a name, Karen Hapach. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job. And their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Listen to this. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who lived a long and full life. It doesn't say then he died, you know, an old sad man who had nothing and nobody. It says then he died, an old man who lived a long and full, blessed and prosperous life because that is the will of God. Let me tell you, if you are in Christ, God desires for you to live a victorious life, to never suffer defeat. When the enemy tries to come at you, when the enemy tries to attack you, God wants you to take hold of the victory that Christ won for you. Proverbs 4.18, it says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. That is the will of God for your life. If you're born again and if you live, if you, uh, if you live for the Lord, that is, that is the will of God for your life. That's really the will of God for everybody. That's the will of God for every, crea- every one of his creation is that you live a full, rich, victorious life in Jesus' name. And when the things of this world try to come against you, you take hold of the victory and the authority that God has given to you 
and you don't suffer defeat. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope that that blessed you. I really hope and pray, uh, especially for any students that are watching, I really hope and pray that you take hold of this for your life. I know that this is, this is God's will for your life, is that you live a life of victory. This is, I know, Pastor Joey and Brianna's prayer for your life, is that you live a life of victory. And, and that, you know, the things of this world that aren't for you never plague you and never, you know, attack you. And if the devil tries, he's such a loser. God has won the victory and he's won the victory and given it to you. Quickly, uh, if there's anybody here and you listen through this whole thing and you'd say, wow, that sounds really good. I wanna live a life of, of complete victory and never suffer defeat. How do I do that? I mentioned it, I probably said it a million times, but you have to be in Christ. And the way to be in Christ is, is to put your faith in him as your savior. The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse nine, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, that, then you will be saved. Then you will be saved. Jesus was God in heaven and he is God. He was God in heaven. He came down. He lived a sinless and perfect life. And then he went to the cross and died a sinner's death, the death that you and I deserved, paying the complete penalty for our sin so that we could have a relationship with God. Jesus died on the cross, even though he didn't mess up and sin once. He died on the cross. He went down to hell. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He rose from the dead, having won complete victory and having it made available to you and I. So if you've never... Uh, put your faith in Jesus and you want to do that today, let me lead you in this prayer. You can just repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you lived, you died, and you rose again, and you're alive today in victory. I put my faith in you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. If you just prayed that for the first time, drop a comment or, or let us know somehow. You can DM us on uh, Instagram at, at Impact Youth, M-P-A-C-T Youth. We'll reach out to you. We'll try to help you out. If you did pray that prayer for the first time, uh, get a Bible, start reading it. Find a Bible-believing church and start attending it. It'll bless you. Uh, if you live in the Danbury, Connecticut area, Fairfield County area, come to Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut if you don't have a home church already. I promise that this is a Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled church, and it'll bless you. Um, but let me pray for the rest of you, and, uh, and that'll be it. Lord, thank you so much for the victory that you won us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for winning us complete victory. Thank you, God, that it is your will that every one of your children lives a life of complete victory over sin and over the effects of sin and over the power of the devil. Thank you, Lord, that your power is so much greater. God, I pray that each one of your children listening now would go out and live a victorious life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. It was such a uh, a great time and a pleasure being here. Pastor Joy will be back next week with a great word. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless. God bless.